0: Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where Kyle Curtin takes you on an extraordinary journey alongside renowned multifamily real estate sponsors and syndication experts from every corner of the United States. We teach you how to harness the power of passive real estate investing and witness the transformation of your wealth building strategy. Let's create wealth together.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to today's episode of the Creating Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Curtin. And today I wanted to go over a couple questions to ponder, to run through your mind, to advise potential buyer clients, um, you know, people potentially looking to get into the real estate industry as an investor for the first time. This this episode will apply to a lot of different people, um, and this is something that I have been talking to a decent amount of people with, um, especially with some new clients that have been onboarding, um, you know, very, very recently, and in, in Mass and New Hampshire, um, as well as you know, I was in a mastermind call today, and and I was actually kind of asked, you know, um, you know, some of these items that to consider. You know what i mean for first-time investors for you know other agents to help advise their their investor clients that are investing for the first time etc and this is what really kind of like brought about that conversation and i'm like damn man like i get a couple things right off the top of my head that um that i would like to share you know and, and i figured it would kind of be a, a nice little short podcast to um to drop as well so everything kind of lined up properly so I have four things here, my friends, and two of them kind of link together. So in a way, it's kind of three. But to jump right in, the first one to consider is your expectations for returns and being well versed in running the numbers or potentially not running the numbers. And what I mean by that, right, is you know, for many people out there, you know, jumping into their first house act, um, You know, you're, you're definitely going to be running numbers on the property, you know, hopefully have it make, you know, it would be great if you could get a double digit, you know, cash on cash return nowadays with where debt is at, uh, you know, and interest rates, in other words, it's a little, it's a bit harder to do that. Um, (laughs) but anyway, so the reason why I bring this up is, you know, many people out there would love to see like a 10% cash on cash, something higher. Um, You know, other people might not be as dependent on the cash on cash. It's going to depend on the area. It's going to depend on, you know, how many units are in that particular building. It depends on a lot of different factors, but that's not what I'm talking about today. The reason why I bring this topic up is because cash on cash might may matter a ton to one individual and it may not matter at all to another individual. And there is an individual in the middle as well. Um, you know, and that person being somebody who might be, you know, currently renting, maybe they're paying, you know, 1500 bucks a month, somewhere nearby. And, you know, if they buy like a, a three family property, uh, or even a two, depending on, you know, how you skin it in the area and, and that kind of thing, more than likely a three though. Um, you know, their main priority may just be to drop down the monthly payment that comes out of their pocket as much as possible. And that's still an ultimate win, guys. This was something that was a learning curve for me a few years ago, the first time I had heard it, because you just kind of assume that, you know, everybody wants, you know, 10% cash on cash plus, like it's got to be double digits or, you know, like I won't take anything below like nine, you know what I mean? Like it's going to beat the stock market, like yada, yada, yada. Like, find me a good deal, you know, and it's a very common conversation. But again, you know, I want to stress this because, you know, like I have somebody that uh, mentioned to me recently, you know, hey, you know, I'm looking for a a two, three, four family in New Hampshire. I just need it to break even. If it breaks even, that would be absolutely fantastic because of, you know, a particular, uh, you know, scenario that this individual has. And cash on cash doesn't really matter as much to him you know what i mean whereas other people you know may just be chasing the return um you know and need to find something that's a lot more extensive as far as the project goes you know you're going to be gravitating away from you know major major cities like boston and worcester you know kind of going towards the outskirts of those markets to look for something that's more uh cash flow heavy more of a, a cash flow heavy kind of market um compared to an appreciation type of market. Um, And yeah, so that's something that I I really wanted to stress is like, you know, basically there's a a spectrum when it comes to a good deal, quote unquote, because a good deal means a million different things to a million different people. Some people, it may be, you know, 10% plus cash on cash return. Other people may be, hey, you know, even if it cuts the amount of, uh money that's coming out of my pocket for my housing expense every month whereas you know somebody might be on one end of the spectrum versus the other and it's it just it's it's different it's going to be different for everybody you know it's it's not necessarily you know going to be the same thing um as far as cash on cash goes as far as far as you know expectation goes like i said you know some people might be okay if a property isn't even cash flowing you know what I mean? But the money that's coming out of their pocket every month is going to be lower than it is in rent, um, you know, as well as the qualitative uh, reality that, you know, they're throwing, you know, now they're building equity with the amount of money that they do have to put into a building, uh, you know, that comes out of their pocket every month. Rather than paying it to a landlord and putting equity in somebody else's pocket, Um Yeah. So that's, that's a really big one, guys. Just make sure you have that conversation, whether it's with yourself, whether it's with a business partner, whether it's with, um, you know, your clients, regardless of, I think it's great to have anyway, even if they've invested before, you know, just get on the same page, figure out what the heck is going on. Um, this is one of those questions that I feel like is incredibly important and can both save a lot of time for both you and your client or, you know, yourself and your agent or whatever your situation is. And it can also waste a lot of time if that conversation isn't had, because like you could be on a million different sides of the spectrum and, um, you know, still not really be looking for the same thing and and not be aligned as the other person that you're working with. Um, so I love to have that conversation in particular with people. The next one, um, Is kind of along a similar vein. It's if people are just kind of figuring things out and and dabbling in the real estate investment space for what they want to do, whether it's flips, whether it's multis, whether it's house acts, whether it's, you know, just buying rentals as is, uh, with 20% down, or, you know, just as rental properties, whether it's short-term rental, whether it's medium-term rental, you know there's a million and a half different things in our industry now. You know what I mean? And somebody from the outside in may see a lot of these different shiny objects, if you will. Uh, and I don't say that in a bad way, there's just so many different flavors of this industry that work incredibly fricking well. Um, but that's the problem is it's, it's ridiculously easy to get overwhelmed because there is so many different freaking options and half of them look insanely cool. You know what I mean? um, Something to keep in mind along that vein is how much, um, time you have, you know, and how much time that you're looking to put towards a project. And this goes the same for house hackers too, but basically my thing here, guys, this is another conversation that's incredibly important is how much time. So, I mean, if somebody is, you know, maybe like a high net worth, uh, or a high earner rather. You know, maybe they're like a physician or like, you know, work 50 hours a week. Maybe they have a few kids. Maybe they have, um, you know, maybe like the kids of sports, maybe like, yeah, life, you know what I mean? And in general, you know what I mean? And maybe, you know, that person may not have a whole ton of time, um, you know, to be working on a a project themselves. You know what I mean? That's a conversation that needs to be had up front uh, prior to doing anything is, it might not even make sense for you to buy, you know, a multi or like if you have no time and you're looking to do a flip yourself, um, I wouldn't even bother, <laughs> you know, um, and and there's a lot of different ways to skin that in a million different directions, you know, I mean, if you buy, you know, a house hack and maybe you don't have a whole ton of time, but you're looking to cut down your living expense, maybe, you know, cash on cash isn't really something that means a lot to you, you want to buy something turnkey you know, as, as turnkey as you can find in your price point and that kind of thing, something that doesn't really need work, but you're going to be buying it at or above market value. You know what I mean? So it's like, or, you know, if you're maybe you have a bit more time and, you know, you're looking to house sack, maybe you could buy something that's a bit more beat up, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a project, you know, uh, maybe the units are kind of dated and and that type of thing. And, you know, maybe you have some time, you know, to do some work yourself and that kind of thing. And and maybe that's more of a fit, you know, and maybe cash on cash means a bit more to you. So it's like there's a lot of different ways to skin it. You know what I mean? Um, the other alternative as well is partnering with somebody. And like if you wanted to do a flip, but like you don't have a ton of time, find somebody in our industry, um, you know, that has done a million and a half flips, build a very good relationship with them um essentially date them for a while and you know figure out if you guys could potentially be a a mesh together um and this one i i can't really speak to yet because i haven't like officially like closed on something with a partner yet um you know so still kind of figuring that out myself but that could be your your way out you know what i mean if like you know maybe both of you guys put up a reasonable amount of money um, maybe like, you know, equity and, and ownership percentages are, you know, you figure out a happy medium between the two of you based on the, the amount of capital injected into the project from each of you. But the other person is the one that's, you know, asset managing the project and, and making sure everything's are going well. And like, you know, managing contractors and that type of thing while well, you're at work and you follow up after whatever the situation is, you know? So that's another conversation to have is how much time you have. Um, And I mean, how much capital is another one too, that could really, you know, kind of add into this equation, but how much time is a very important conversation to have? Because I feel like that can dictate a ton. Um, Because what you don't want is to like, basically realize that you don't, have pretty much any time after you've already closed on a project, and it's like shit. Like now, what do I do? You know what I mean? Um, you know, and uh, again, I mean, there's this. This was basically just a very, uh, you know, a, a basically an introduction to this kind of conversation. Like I, I didn't want to go too too deep in in any one of these topics in particular, so to say, in this little episode. But I still wanted to talk about them. Um, and lastly. That is if you're uh, or I'm I'm sorry, the third one, buying for cash flow or buying for equity. And this comes down to your markets. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, like if you're buying in uh, anywhere near Boston, do not expect like any sort of reasonable cash on cash return compared to like Laminster. You know what I mean? Because Boston's appreciation has been through the friggin' nose for a long time now. <laughs> um, so if you're buying, you know, anywhere remotely close to uh, you know, to that that city and in some very, you know, decent surrounding areas to that, decently close, um, buying for cash flow is going to be insanely difficult and, and borderline impossible for that, you know, unless you're waiting an insanely long time where you've built a ton of equity, paid down a a very good amount of debt, and then you'll probably start to cash flow eventually. <laughs> Reds keep going up, fixed debt keeps going down, so you know you might get that there. But or if you're on the other side of the coin, um, and you're more for cash flow and you don't really care as much about appreciation, head to Central and Western Mass. You know, and and you know, there are a lot of those tertiary kind of markets, and that's something that you know a, a buddy and myself are are looking in right now. Um, you know, is some of these markets that are decently outside of you know some of these cities, like even past uh past like Lemonster West, you know, like Athol and and Gardner and that kind of thing, and and even further. You know, you're not going to see appreciation out there like steadily high appreciation. Like you would, you know, getting uh, a bit more inward and, and closer to some of those main markets. But rents are probably going to be decent. And, um, you know, it might be more of a cash flow play. You know, what I find with a lot of investors, myself included, is I like a nice blend between the two of them. Although it, it kind of switches occasionally. Um, I'm definitely more on the the equity, you know, play type of side at the moment because you know the time comes where like you have a property, you have a couple properties and you have trapped equity and it's like shit like how do i keep playing the game like now i need another 50k outside of a home equity line that's at 10% you know and probably doesn't make sense for you to cash out refi if you bought 3 years ago so it's like ugh, you know um yeah that's another very important question is you know which are you more bullish on today you know cuz that could change tomorrow but it's going to depend on, you know, the type of markets that you go out to that you start looking for properties in, um, you know, the ease versus the difficulty of finding particular properties that fit that type of dynamic within those markets. Like I said, trying to find something that cash flows high in Boston. Good freaking look. Um, <laughs> but, you know, something that cash flows in in Leominster, Fitchburg, Gardner. OK, that's probably going to be a. Um, a bit easier to find out there, much easier to find out there. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Last but not least, number four my friends is, are you looking to self-manage or are you planning on handing it off to a property manager? Or if you're doing like a flip or something, you know, maybe like a GC or like a, you know, project manager of some sort of, uh, you know, partner, whatever that looks like, you know, um, that's the other really big one is, you know, are you planning to self-manage? Cause I mean, that could be, you know, a difference of 10% of your gross rents a month between, between eight and 10 ish. Um, you know, that is an extra line item on your expense column, you know, or are you looking to self-manage? You know, if, in my opinion, guys, if you're looking a house hack, especially for the first time, um, you're gonna to want to self-manage that thing yourself um, because you want to hold on to as much cash as you can, keep it in your pocket, do your rent increases, turn your units, you know, get the get the the gross income coming in as high, you know, as close to where market should be. Again, you know, within reason, don't do anything crazy. Um, I'll leave that there, but. <laughs> um, you know, you want to stabilize that property as fast as you can within reason, depending on the particular situation that you're in with your tenants and, and that kind of thing. Um, bigger reason for that question is if you self-manage, you need to know, or if you are planning on having a property manager, take care of it, along with, you know, throwing between nine to 11 ish percent um, of your gross income every month, to a company that, that manages that asset for you, you're going to want to know how that things run and what a day to day looks like. Um, because if you don't like, there might be things that are happening. I've heard stories on podcasts and stuff of like property management companies like skimming money and that kind of thing, because the owners have no flipping idea. Um, and just doing like a lot of crazy shit, you know what I mean? That, you know somebody who doesn't have a knowledge of that type of thing it you know you might potentially fall victim to that you know and it's i i couldn't tell you personally like if that's like a rare thing or a relatively common thing i don't know because i self-manage as well (laughs) um so yeah but something to keep in mind you know what i mean um and yeah it's because that's a really big one you know again you know throwing that back into um, you know the expectations for returns if you're buying a three family and you're you know planning to self-manage it you're probably going to keep a lot more money well i should say you're going to keep between eight and ten percent in your pocket every month um but again you you know you have those responsibilities and like you'll have your tenants phone numbers and you know it'll be reliant on you to have your vendors in the area like your plumbers, electricians, um, you know, plow people if you're um, you know, if snow is in your area, etc. it's all going to be your responsibility, you know. But if that doesn't bother you, and I highly recommend doing it this way for as long as you physically can, um do that. You know, try to just stack stack money and um, you know, if possible uh and go from there, you know. But um yeah, that's pretty much it for today, guys. Um, I'm curious if you guys have any more questions. Like I said, this was just like super high level for immediate questions that, you know, I like to talk about with pretty much anybody, um, you know, that's looking to to invest, regardless of if it's the first property or, you know, a few properties in because these are important, you know, and it's it's not necessarily a set of questions that's as commonly talked about as it should be. Um, and it's typically things that you find out after you close and maybe get like a month or a couple months in that, oh shit, like I don't have a ton of time or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, maybe you, like you you end up using a good amount of capital on that, um, the down payment and the closing costs and and whatever, Um, that now you don't really have a ton and have to be incredibly, careful uh with using that money in the right place in the property and not selling yourself short you know what i mean and and you need to be able to account for like random ass capex events that come up you know i've had like the basement flood now because the water heater freaking blew out on me um you know i've had a, a furnace die out on me uh because it was a cracked heat exchanger and you know it's a miracle that nothing came about from that um Things just happen, you know what I mean, guys. Like, you know, hopefully your tenants are great. Like your tenants might randomly stop paying you, you know, and or like you bought heads, or there's a million and a half different things, you know. But this is just a a little conversation to kind of get you started and and to kind of start to think about some of these items, um, prior to being in a situation where it might come as a unexpected surprise to you. Um, you know, and you might not have thought of that before. So Pretty much it for now, my friends. Um, If this was helpful to you, please leave a rating and a review on the show. It would mean a lot. Just trying to spread this, um, you know, this advice to as many investors and and people looking to get into the game as possible and um, have some fun, you know? But yeah, if if you guys, you know, have any questions or anything, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm on Facebook jump in the creating wealth together Facebook group. I'd love to see you in there and chat it up and uh, take it easy. My friends
0: have a good day. Bye. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to thank you for being a valued listener of the creating wealth podcast. Make sure to visit www.creatingwealth.com to connect with us. Dive into our ever expanding library of informative blogs Get access to our private investor portal and explore a wide range of additional valuable resources. Stay tuned for our next episode as we continue to create wealth together.